Hey yo everyone, we are back trying to start it with a new way. Um we're back with the podcast. Firstly, apologies. We didn't have an episode yesterday. I said we would. Uh I'd like to think of myself <laughs> as a man of my word, but I was not in that case. So I apologize. Oh, a man of high integrity. Exactly. We're we're dialing it in though. If you think about it, we we did last Wednesday, <clears throat> missed two days, did Monday missed one day and we're back on wednesday and we're going to be back tomorrow i guarantee it <laughs> doing a charles barkley for well, you but... guarantee <laughs> Gu- guarantee uh we are back again with the uh crossover across time podcast uh it's a wednesday so again we are joined by my good friend justin how you doing justin good Carson. how you doing man i'm doing pretty good i'm glad to be talking nba again it's a nice little break from you know, normal lives and all that fun stuff. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Today's going to be a little more informal simply because we didn't have as much time to prepare or I didn't uh, as maybe I would have liked. Um, we still have a rough plan, so we're not going totally off the rails here. But we'll go ahead and just kind of talk through some of the games uh, from the last couple of days. So Monday and Tuesday's games, of course, by the time we're recording this Wednesday night, Wednesday night, most of Wednesday's games are finished, but we'll talk about those tomorrow. Tonight, we're talking Monday and Tuesday's action. Um, and Justin, I'll let you lead off. Of the games we're looking at, the summaries we have here, what's the game you want to talk about first? First and foremost, I think that I would like to talk about the Warriors versus Suns game. Yep. Um, this game to me, seemed like a pretty big indicator of how late in the season could turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, with Clay Thompson kind of getting a big head, getting attacked, getting ejected, I think for the first time in his career, right? Yeah, first career ejection. But, yeah, I think Devin Booker had a solid game. Once again, I think the Suns kind of suck. I don't think they're super good. And my power rankings, which we'll go over later, I've dropped them significantly from last week. Uh, but yeah, I just I think it was showed almost more of the character of the Warriors, right? They still are balling out. They're still one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team. But mm-hmm. it was a pretty significant loss, and they they took a big L on that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely a potential playoff preview. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, a little bit of spiciness in some of these takes. The, the Suns <laughs> being a little bit of a, you know a rough team. I think there's definitely some concerns there. We can't deny Booker uh, and what he's done early though. He's on a torrid stretch uh, currently not counting tonight's games sixth in the league in scoring average about 32 a game through four games. And he's been crazy efficient. So he's been strong of course. Um, but outside of that, I can definitely see some concerns with Phoenix uh, Chris Paul, of course, maybe as he's getting older and slowing down a bit. Um, but yeah, they, there's maybe, you know, I saw on the NBA page today, some, you know, maybe some concerns about the Warriors. They're two and two right now. Um, is there something deeper going on? So you, you kind of think maybe the Warriors, maybe they're taking a step in the wrong direction or am I reading a little bit too much into it? Um, I think, just like Charles Barkley always says, right? If the Warriors can have some of their big boys play, James Wiseman and Kuminga specifically, they can be deadly. It looks like in this case, right? Kuminga played for 15 minutes and he had four points and three rebounds. Like, I, it's, it's difficult to score and get boards, but that's kind of his role essentially, right? So if he's not playing his role and he's getting outscored by Draymond Green, like I think, yeah, I think there's an issue with that. But if they can get their young kids to be able to pick it up and score, I think the Warriors are really solid. They might yeah. have more deep chemistry issues than what we can see on the surface, too, which I think is a a big worry for Warriors fans generally. Yeah, I think that's really at this point. You know, we we talk a lot about the talent of that the team, of course, and 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 all of those kind of things. They're both. They're experienced vets. They're, you know, generational guy in Steph Curry, of course. 
but the the young guys of course are always bringing up some sort of new exciting prospect but um no i think if there's one thing that is going to be uh holding golden state back from a potential championship other than the you know competition they face it's any potential inner turmoil that happens whether it's the you know draymond jordan pool thing that we've already talked about or you know maybe some other things that are coming up you know clay being ejected it's you know you would think uh a once in a blue moon type situation um hopefully not a symptom of some bigger issue but yeah overall um they just didn't look ultra sharp their percentages weren't stellar pool had a decent game coming off the bench but you know i almost wonder if they should make the move to start wiseman i know he's probably on minutes restrictions coming off an injury from last year but as much as i love kavon looney i'm not sure that that's the best move in their lineup i don't know what do you think um let me ask you i guess a a more pressing question okay do you think the Warriors are capable of repeating their championship this season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as the great uh, coach Tom Janovich, Rudy Tom Janovich from the Rockets said, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And <laughs> it might be a little cliche, but there's some truth to it. I mean, these guys have done it before, and especially being the defending champs, um, not only from last season, but having – all those championships before a lot of them were different players. I, I acknowledge that, but the core guys, you know, Curry, Thompson and green, I think, you know, they have every ability to, again, it's just that question of, will they be able to pull it all together? Kind of a thing. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I agree with that too. If they can stay on top of it and keep their young guys healthy and their old guys healthy, right. The Warriors should be the best team in the league. They should, ball out win the championship again yeah and yeah but i don't know like i said for me chemistry issues worry me more than most other things like for example that's why i think on paper the brooklyn nets look like they should be incredible but they just suck i think that whole team is loaded with guys that can't play with other players same with the lakers and so i think chemistry issues can go a lot deeper than surface stats and i sure hope that the warriors don't have a thicker amount of chemistry issues than they ought to have at this point in the season yeah yeah absolutely that makes sense um okay at the risk of well not at the risk to prevent us talking about the warriors too much i think we've talked about them a lot between last weekend and today we'll go ahead and switch gears uh let me pick a game that i'd like to chat about real quick Um, let's talk this Grizzlies Nets game. And this one's probably one that was talked about a good amount too from Monday night's slate, but it's pretty intriguing because you have some high scoring on both sides. So Brooklyn on the road in Memphis, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on pretty efficient shooting combined for 74 points. They both scored 37 Um, But they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, the home team, as Ja Morant and Desmond Bain on pretty efficient shooting combined for 76 points, 38 points apiece, as it was these dueling duos there in Memphis. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch the game as it happened, but looked like a, a wildly exciting affair. I did catch the clip of uh, towards the end, John Morant baiting Ben Simmons into a uh, into fouling out. Did you happen to see that play? Yes, that was the the 200 IQ play of the week. I think John, yeah, <laughs> Jaw holding the ball, knowing that Ben Simmons would take the bait because of a play that was set up the exact same way a few years prior. I uh, think that's that's pretty interesting to show how just intelligent John Morant is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great to see that, especially from a guy, you know, who has so much, you know, raw talent to see that he also looks like he's probably putting in a lot of the work of the, 
you know, studying the game, being a student of the game, uh, knowing who he's playing, knowing his opponent, that's really exciting to see uh, as a fan in general, but especially for the Memphis fans, that's got to be great. Um, yeah, Claxton looks like he had a decent game in support of the Nets as well. But again, with Simmons, I, I don't want to talk Ben Simmons too much. Seven points, eight assists, of course, five turnovers. And you just have to wonder how that how he'll fit in. And of course, we'll talk about it plenty. So I won't talk too much tonight about that. Uh, the bench didn't have a strong game for Memphis or for Brooklyn. Neither did Memphis, but they just had, you know, they, they played their team game. Stephen Adams with 13 boards, you know, solid all around performance. Uh, how about Bain? I, I guess there had been some questions about, you know, maybe a shooting slump at the beginning of the season uh, kind of quieted those discussions. If there were any, Eight of 11 three-point range, 72% to uh, set his new career. How, how about Desmond Bain and his fit for Memphis, his kind of role going forward? He did an incredible job. Um, I found a quote that he said just after the game from a post-game interview. And he said, I felt good about everything. A lot of the misses that I had were in and out back rim. Um, I feel like that's just kind of getting my legs back under me. I knew it was just a matter of time before I caught my rhythm. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. If they can get some shooters based around an electrifying point guard, Mm -hmm. you know, Memphis has a lot of pieces that could drive them deep in the playoffs, right? They might not be able to have the complete package, but from a really small market basketball team, I think Memphis has got an A plus as far as that goes. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're doing the right things. They're they're building a lot of this through the draft, which is what you really like to see, um, especially, you know, small market. That kind of tends to be uh, a necessity rather than a luxury, you know, um, and you, you're talking about that with the electric point guard and being able to have the floor spreading. It almost made me think um, and this might be a little bit of an erroneous comparison. But if you think about what made those uh, LeBron teams successful in both Miami and Cleveland is, and maybe even the, the Lakers team that won the title, you know, he's able to, to drive in and do his thing and kick out, right, and have, have those shooters. And Bain, of course, is going to be the strong one for Memphis in that little, uh, in that kind of a discussion. But Dylan Brooks hopefully can do some of those same things. You have Aldama now, who's I think he's started several games and he's been solid, a stretch four guy. Um, if you can have that kind of a thing with a point guard rather than a point forward, you know I think that can can work well for them and certainly has has been showing some great uh, potential and promise. Um, if there's nothing else to talk about, if there's something else you want to talk about with that, you can. Or go ahead and pick one more game for us to chat about from Monday and Tuesday's slates that you think would be interesting. I'd like to point out just one more fact, and then we can move on to a next game. Okay, go for it. Um, Kevin Durant passed Alex English in all-time scoring list, and so now he's number 19 or 20. That's correct, yes. I, I believe 20th. Let me go ahead and double double check that to be sure. Um, of course, that's only a matter of time, right? We know how uh, dynamic and uh, effective a score Durant is. And so it was only a matter of time before he, he kept moving up that ladder. Uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, 20th on the NBA scoring list. Interestingly enough, NBA, ABA combined, he's 23rd but he'll probably pass, you know, whoever those other few are. I guess Julius Irving would be the one where NBA, ABA combined, he has 30,000 points, but just NBA, he has... uh, 26, right, or something like that. uh, It might actually be a lot less. Because if you think about, oh, he's only got 18,000 NBA points. Uh, So almost half his points came while he was at the ABA. Yeah. I mean, well, when you look at his stats, when, when he was in the ABA, he was, you know, un, unbelievable. Let me just pull those stats up. Let's, let's start getting that history <laughs> flavor in here. You look at uh, – he has a three-year stretch 
with the first of those being in Virginia with the Squires and then his first three years with the New York Nets or his only three years with the New York Nets. He has a stretch where he averages 29 points a game and 11 rebounds. I mean, just scary good along with the defensive stats. That's another thing that's underrated. He averaged like two and a half steals and two blocks as a small forward. Like, man, people just forget so easily how good you know some of these guys were but anyways that's our little history segment we'll hopefully have some of that more sprinkled in throughout but yeah great point durant moving up on the scoring list sorry you were gonna say oh i was gonna say can i interject a story here go for about dr j in particular yeah so a few years ago i got to meet thurl bailey Uh um, and i talked to him for just a minute after his presentation and i asked him who his favorite player ever was and he said it was Dr. J. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like, why is Dr. J your favorite player ever? And he said he was remember watching on a little black and white TV in his room, um, Dr. J with his big old afro jump up and dunk on top of people. Mm-hmm. And so I've always thought that was interesting that Thurl Bailey, someone that played with and got dunked on repeatedly by Michael Jordan is someone that thinks that Dr. J is the most electrifying fun player to watch ever. Yeah. And so I think I've always thought that that was kind of cool that I've met someone that remembers Dr. J just being incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I kind of, kind of envious now I've, I haven't had a chance <laughs> to talk to, to big T. Um, hopefully <laughs> <I> got, someday. <laughs> I've got his basketball card. I got him to sign it. So I've got a oh, signed man. Thurl Bailey basketball card. It's, one part of my collection man that's probably worth the whole 50 bucks two dollars and 20 cents <laughs> yeah it should be worth more but unfortunately probably not um okay what's what's another game we'll have you pick one more game to talk about i'll pick one more and then we'll branch off into uh some shorter segments um let's let's talk um denver portland because I'm a huge fan of Damian Lillard. I think he's a, an absolute dog. Yeah. Um, yeah, that game looked like it was a really, really good game for Portland. Uh, uh-huh. I, th- I think they'll be climbing my power rankings as well. I think the Nuggets will be sliding down considerably going into week two. Uh-huh. I think they're, what, one and three right now? The Nuggets? Yeah. They're one uh, and three or two and two, I know. I would think they're two and two right now. So, So not bad, but they're... Yeah, maybe not as good as you'd like them to be. Uh, as for Portland, Anthony Simmons and Damian Lillard had an incredible game. Yep. Um, the Nurkic, of course, he had a solid game. He always does. Mm-hmm. Coming up with 20, 21 points, 12 boards, and a couple of assists. I just, I think they, if they could get things figured out and if they could bring some more money to Portland, they could yeah. be so dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. If Nurkic can stay healthy, right? It seems like yeah. that's always a conversation with Nurkic. He, you know, he's always missing time each year. And and he doesn't have to be – I mean, I think when he first got traded there, he had, you know, some, like, unbelievable stat lines. You know, he was playing a lot of minutes and he was putting up points and boards. And he doesn't always need to do that. If he can just be that solid presence like you talked about, grabbing the boards, you know, maybe playing some okay defense – moving the ball a little bit, you know, if he can just be solid, of course, Lillard and it looks like now Simons is going to be the kind of the new CJ McCollum, or at least, you know, some sort of shades of that. You have Nurkic helping out the guard tandem grants in there. Then you're starting kind of to be in the same sort of realm as what they had uh, two or three or three or four years ago. You know, when McCollum was still there, they had, you know, Harkless, Aminu, and it wasn't a star-laden team. Lillard was by far the best player, <clears throat> but they just had something that kind of it worked, you know. And it was limited in the playoffs, but maybe they can, like you talk about, they they develop one more guy, or they're able to make some sort of a trade or a signing that makes it a truly, you know, a team that can actually contend, right? So I think that's a good point. Um, talking Denver, yeah, looking at their stats from that game. Aaron Gordon led the way, surprisingly, with 26 points. Um, 
but then the rest of the team struggled. Murray with only eight points, Jokic with nine. Uh, of course, that's one of the big stories from that game. Jokic uh, got into foul trouble early and missed uh, missed some time because of that. And then, of course, uh, the strong game from strong games from Lillard and Simons, especially Simons in that third quarter. Uh, apparently, he I think he had twenty two in the third quarter. So they just you know it was close. Uh, up to the half and then just pulled away in the third and, and never really looked back. My favorite basketball story from this year actually comes from Damian Lillard mm-hmm. um, from their game against the Suns. Um, and, and as time was winding down, right, there was 1.2 seconds on the clock. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton was fouled and put up, you know, free throws. And as he was shooting those free throws, right, Dame came up to him and said, have you ever been in this situation before? <laughs> and he said his strategy was to just try to make DeAndre Ayton think about that. Yeah. And DeAndre Ayton's answer was no. And then of course, as we know, he bricked both free throws and Phoenix went on to lose the game. Yeah. So I, I just think Damian Lillard is that kind of old fashioned dog fighter of a guard who just yeah. will do whatever it takes to beat you. And I think he's electrifying. He had a crazy put back dunk in this last game. He, yeah. yeah. I've been watching his highlights like crazy this year and he's, He's doing a great job. Yeah, it's awesome to see him back. I know he had some some small injury issues last year. Um, but yeah, shades of Gary Payton with the talk there. I like to hear that. Um, you know, he, him, and that's the perfect kind of, it, it's like it's discreet trash talk, you know? Like, he's just <laughs> asking him a question, but really he's, you know, saying, oh, this is a high-pressure situation. And so, yeah, that's perfect. Um, real quick, I'll talk one more game. Um, it looks like, so Wednesday or no Tuesday's game, Pelicans Mavericks. I don't think we've talked too much about either of those teams. So we can, we can touch on that real quick. Uh, New Orleans, uh, it was in New Orleans and the Pelicans were shorthanded. Of course, they were missing both, uh, Zion and, um, Brandon Ingram. So they were depleted on their depth, but despite that, they still are able to win the game 113 to 111 uh, against the Mavericks. Look at the scores. Luca did his Luca stuff. Not very efficient from the three point range, two of 13, but Dinwiddie did okay to support him. <clears throat> Wood doing good things off the bench. I'm still curious why he's coming off the bench, but. Not my call, I suppose. And the rest of the team really just kind of fell short as far as providing that balanced attack. But then you look at uh, New Orleans. They had eight eight guys in double figures scoring. And uh, they weren't ultra efficient from three. They weren't bad. Well, actually, they're they pretty decent, 44%. Um, some guys did better than others. But... Yeah, they just played a team game. They played a more balanced attack. Trey Murphy, the second-year guy, 22 points leading the way for them. And it looks like they're able to just kind of, you know, outlast the Mavericks. Do you have any other uh, comments to add on either of those teams or the game? Um, I think the Pelicans played wee ball, right? They don't have a player who scored more than 20 points, and they won. Yeah. Because everybody on the team put up 10 to 15, right? Yeah. I think with both of their best players out, right, their two best scorers, their two best boards, their team captains, leaders in Zion and in um, Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Right. You'd think they would have just got smashed by the Mavericks, especially with Luka Doncic, you know, balling out the way that he has been this year. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think they played a great team ball game. Um, And, yeah, they, they did a terrific job. Um, I saw the last few seconds of that. Luka Doncic missed a pretty trash shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like he had a bad ankle or something. And so he, yeah, he took the shot. And then after the game, we found out that he was kind of hurt. So he blames being hurt as the reason why he bricked it so bad. But yeah, I just think it was a really good game. Right. And Jose Alvarado, the thief, mm-hmm. he, he played a really good game. It just brings a lot of energy and a lot of um, 
yeah, you can just tell that these young guns get together very well and play well as a team. So yeah, I think they're good. Yeah, I like uh, what Willie Green has done, their coach. You know, he just seems like he has that right balance of, you know, detached in the sense of letting them play their game and kind of run things, but he, he provides structure and a system. And, you know, he's a young coach, but he's also um, – he's like a like an older brother or like a mentor almost you know he, he's just got something there that that works and i like what they've got going and yeah alvarado he he was kind of the surprise fun story from last year when the team made that playoff push and or play in push and then yeah the first round of the playoffs against phoenix and his his thievery you know his his antics being able to steal the ball and and hiding behind refs to then go take the ball and doing all that kind of stuff yeah, that's been really fun to watch, and I think they've got a good a good mix there. And uh, like you said, Dallas maybe just you know Doncic a little hampered by injury. It's crazy to think that a guy that scored thirty seven was being you know limited by an injury, but um, I guess we'll kind of look for that going forward to see if that's a a long term effect or you know just kind of a one night thing. Um, okay, so that's not all the games from the last couple days, but those are just some ones to highlight to, to talk about, of course. Uh, real quick, we can mention, uh, you know, brief summaries for these others. Raptors uh, win in Miami on Monday night. Uh, Precious Hachua had 22 boards in that game. It was kind of close towards the end, but Raptors come out on top. Uh, the Knicks won at home on Monday against the Magic. Uh, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett combined for 66. Strong game from those three. That's what you'd hope for. They're the scoring leaders. Ben Carroll, meanwhile, has scored 20-plus points in his first four games. And Wendell Carter Jr. had another double-double. Looks like they're setting a strong front court presence for them. A uh, couple more games from Monday. Bulls beat the Celtics at home. Vucevic had 23 boards. Drummond had about 12 off the off the uh, bench as well. So the rebounding was strong there. Caruso was a plus 29 off the bench, which is, we were saying earlier, kind of a summary of his career. Um, and then the Rockets beat the Jazz. Of course, the Jazz streak had to come to an end at some point. Um, green. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, they wanted to show the world that the Jazz could be a team that could win. And so they won their first couple games, and now they're going to tank the rest of the season to go for the, <laughs> for the Wemby sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah, we something like that. another lengthy Frenchman in Utah. Yeah, exactly. We got to fill our quota, right? Um, but yeah, uh, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. combining for 51 in that game. They led the charge for Houston. Going to Tuesday, um, the other two games from Tuesday's slate, Wizards uh, beat the Pistons at home. Kuzma had 25, and the Pistons guard tandem, Cunningham and Ivy, looked like they struggled, still kind of figuring out the, the mix there. And then finally, the Thunder beat the Clippers at home. Clippers were playing without Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Uh, SGA and Trey Mann had solid games to lead the charge for the Thunder. So that gets us kind of caught up. Again, tomorrow, Thursday's show, we will wrap up the games from tonight, Wednesday, and we'll be back on track where we want to be with, with game summaries and episodes. So we'll real quick dive into our closing, well, not closing segments. We're hopefully more than halfway through the show. Uh, as far as key news, there's really one main story. Uh, I did find another one. looks like Grant Williams of the Celtics has been suspended for a game. Uh, I hadn't seen this, but let me read the quick press release. Bus Celtics forward Grant Williams has been suspended one game without pay for recklessly making contact with and directing inappropriate language towards a game official. Uh, doesn't say who the official was. Uh, Williams was assessed a technical and then ejected a uh, little bit of a, a third of the way into the fourth uh, of Boston's loss to Chicago on Monday. He will serve a suspension Friday when the Celtics host the Cavs. So there's a story. And then also, of course, Steve Nash got ejected from, uh, was that, that was tonight's game, wasn't it? Yeah, that was tonight, his first career ejection as a coach. Gotcha. Yeah, we can um, 
we might have more to talk about as we get some more details of it uh, tomorrow, but that's another thing that happened. Anything else you wanted to mention with that before we move on to our next segment? I don't think so. I really like Steve Nash, but I don't know how wonderful of a coach he's been. Right. Um, so I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. I always get a little bit frustrated when I see coaches that get ejected, but some of the greatest coaches of all time have, been thrown out of a lot of basketball games. So I think if you're truly passionate about the game, it's easy to get so wrapped up in it that you get yourself in trouble. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, and it's interesting because Steve Nash always seems like this ultra calm, you know, collected kind of guy. So kind of interesting to see that fiery side of him come out. But with that, uh, of course, Steve Nash, a former MVP, uh, two-time MVP. And so that segues us into – Award chases, of course, the MVP, but also Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Um, we don't have a ton we can talk about here. We mentioned on Monday we gave our pick for a Week 1 MVP. Um, I, of course, picked Damian Lillard. My friend Wyatt picked John ja Morant. Um, that's something fun we'll do week to week to keep an MVP conversation fresh. Um but we can just real quick, we'll talk about three of the awards, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and just give our, let's just each give a quick pick of someone we think is likely to be in that conversation uh, for each of those awards. So um, I will go first as far as one person I think will be or should be in the MVP conversation. Um, might be a little bit of a surprising pick. I would go with Jason Tatum. Um, especially with the way they've started, you know, he kind of reminds me in some ways of, of a Paul Pierce, but, uh, but that next level, you know, an even high, higher scoring guy who grab he grabs boards, but he's also solid defensively. He's playing within a, a team game. His team's off to a pretty strong start. So that's my short little case for Tatum, you know, definitely should be in that short list, that top 10, maybe top five, guys that you have in an MVP conversation. Uh, Justin, who's someone else that you would like to mention real quick in an MVP conversation? Um, someone that I think gets brought up all the time, but I think is going to make a serious impact on the league this year is John Morant. Yep. We already talked about the Grizzlies a little earlier in this episode, but I think he's been phenomenal. And as a, a way too early prediction, I think he could end as this year's MVP. You might have a Derrick Rose type season where it's his one and only MVP and that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I really think that he's playing incredibly right now. Um, and I'm a big jaw fan. Seems like he has a highlight every single game, like some kind of crazy alley-oop or pass or something. So I really like to watch him play. He's electrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And even more importantly, it's leading to, you know, winning basketball and a, a team that plays well, but of course he's the, the driving influence behind that. And the, what the pace he's setting, I mean, he's leading the league in scoring right now uh, with seven assists. I think there's a very good chance that he's, uh, I would certainly put him top five right now in that conversation of MVP. I think he's definitely worth that recognition. Uh, let's switch gears to defensive player of the year. This one's a little bit hard to get that kind of instant picture. Um, with the stats again early i mean we've got like six or seven guys that are averaging two or more blocks you know that's not gonna sustain itself you have brooke lopez averaging three and a half blocks that's not going to sustain itself um but maybe just some projections as far as who we think could be in that defensive player of the year conversation uh justin i'll go ahead and let you start anyone that comes to mind that you think could be in this mix um, generally when I think of defensive anchors, I think of the big man down low, the center. Mm. Um, and there are a few centers and really big guys that I think, even if they can't necessarily defend the perimeter, they are still basically the entire defense by themselves. Mm. Right. Obviously Rudy Gobert is in that category. Um, Anthony Davis, I think has been surprising if he could just stay healthy, he could be incredible this season as well um looks like anthony davis is putting up something like two and a half blocks and two and a half steals a game yeah which are pretty solid stats especially for a center um 
But yeah, so I'm thinking some of the big guys, Mitchell Robinson, he's also having a really good season. I think he could go down in that category if he can continue to average three and a half blocks a game, right? He's he's been really, really good. Um, yeah. as far as guards go, the guards it seems like they kind of switch up faster, but they generally are more focused on perimeter D. Yeah. Um, so I think a surprising one is Ben Shea. Alexander from the Thunder. I oh yeah, I've I've watched a lot of Thunder highlights just because I like the the young team with kind of a chip on their shoulder type mentality that they have, even uh-huh. though they suck. Um, but yeah, Shea has just been really good on defense. Seems like yeah. every possession he comes up with, with either a steal or some kind of a a transitional moving play. Yeah, and I think he's really really good as well. Yeah, well, and that could be an interesting pick because, of course, we saw last year with uh, or last season Marcus Smart being named Defensive Player of the Year. He was the first guard to win it since Gary Payton in '96. In we know that historically guards are not picked for Defensive Player of the Year or aren't picked very often. I think that could be cool to see back-to-back guards and especially for that to be a breakout season for SGA to see him be recognized for more than just, you know, young guy who scores points, right? That could be great for them, their culture, his development. Um, I'll go with a guy you mentioned and someone that we have a lot of question marks uh, as fans about, but I, I root for, and that's Anthony Davis. Um, You know, we've heard a lot of talk. We've heard Charles Barkley talk, you know, Oh, there goes street clothes, Anthony Davis, right? He's, he's always hurt. But if he can stay healthy, and I think this year he ha- has a much better shot of staying healthy, um, then if he keeps up similar numbers to this, you know, a lot of it will depend on how the Lakers do as a team. But I think he should be in that conversation. I don't believe he's ever won uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Let me double check that. He has um, not. He has not. He's been all defensive team, but he has not won defensive player of the year. So that's kind of a pick I would like to see. And I think he has that, you know, that dog in him where he's heard the offseason chatter the last year or two about his his injuries and and those things. So to see him come back, he looks better this year. He looks more focused, more driven to be successful. So I think that would be a great pick and something I'd love to see. Uh, for him to get defensive player of the year uh, real quick let's chat rookie of the year um, I will start us off with um, kind of looking at the list here I I I like Ben Caro for rookie of the year right now and it's probably an easy pick because he was the number one pick of course but he's he's been off to a great scoring stretch early in the season um, but it's not just the scoring. If you look at his stats, he's averaging about 23 a game with seven boards and uh, three assists and one and a half blocks. I mean, he's playing an all-around game. He's already becoming that you know anchor for the Magic franchise. Um, and so I I love what he's doing so far. You know, I think it's a it's a safe pick, but he would be my pick right now for. Uh, of course, a rookie of the year, certainly in that mix by the end of the season. All right, Justin, how about you? What would be uh, or who would be some of your names or maybe the main name in your kind of rookie of the year discussion? Obviously, you know, Paolo Bancaro, the same guy that you picked, but it's lame to say the same person as the person you're co-hosting with. So I can give <laughs> you two or three other options. Okay. Um, Keegan Murray the rookie that's on the Kings, he's been falling out too, right? The Kings are absolutely terrible, but it seems like every year they get a rookie or someone with kind of a bright spark and then they just instantly fumble him and lose him to somewhere else. So I hope Keegan Murray can develop on the Kings. I hope he becomes a really good player. Uh Um, And then also I would say Jaden Ivey on the Pistons. Yeah, There's been a lot of hype for him. He was a lottery pick. Really, really good player in college. Um, he's, yeah, he and Cade Cunningham make a really good backcourt. And I think their combined age is younger than some of my coworkers at the accounting firm I work at. So yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome that there's people that are younger than we are 
falling out the way that they are. Like, could you imagine if me and you were lined up as the front court for the Pistons? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be uh, a lot of upset fans, I can imagine. <laughs> I think I could score in the NBA. Maybe two or four points in a season, but if I got 36 <laughs> minutes a, a game, season. I think I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could hit an open three if you gave me, like, you know, 10 games to take as many shots as I wanted, you know, could probably, it, it's healthy to have that perspective, right? What was it? Who yeah. was it? Uh, White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. He was like, you know, he obviously I, I think he, rec- he knows that compared to obviously like, you know, LeBron, Kobe Bryant, he wasn't that caliber of a player, but he's like, I, I would destroy any of you guys that are just, you know, the casual <laughs> guy off the street, you know, because it, was his quote, was his exact quote something like, I, I'm i obviously not like a Kobe or LeBron, but I'm the best player you've ever seen. Or like, I'm better than the best player you've ever met. Which yeah, <laughs> exactly. And sometimes we forget how hard it is to make it to the NBA. So it's, it's healthy to have that perspective, you know. But um, yeah, I think those names are definitely valid. I think early... Before the season started, a lot of people talked about Keegan Murray in Summer League, his strong performance there, seeing if he could maybe be a dark horse candidate. Um, so that, and of course, Jaden Ivey with Cunningham, the the hopeful kind of continuation of what Phillips and Hamilton did and what Thomas and Dumars did before them. You know, we'll wait to see if that can actually happen, but there's definitely plenty of potential there. So some great names to keep in mind as we we go forward. And as we get into future weeks, we'll have more to talk about, more games, more sample size to have further discussions about award chases for those three awards. But also, of course, um, uh, sixth man of the year, uh, most improved player, coach of the year, things like that. Um, So we'll go ahead and go to our final main segment. We're calling this Bold Predictions, uh, but we're going to come up with a a better name later on because that's kind of a boring name. But uh, And the segment might look a little bit different in the future, but the way it is tonight, we each have made a bold prediction that we're just going to throw out there. Could even call it a hot take or a a troll comment, whatever you want to call it. But A mildly uh, lukewarm take in your case, I think. You think mine's lukewarm? (laughs) I think if you if you talk to the uh, the talking heads on ESPN, they all would kind of have an issue with this because of the players. But uh, do you want to start, or should I start with this? Since mine's lukewarm, <laughs> that was that was kind of a salty comment. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I know mine is a little bit out there, and so that's why I <laughs> I hesitate okay. to say it. But I'm ready. I'll throw this out on the internet for everyone to listen to. Okay. All right. I, I, honestly, I, I think you're right. Yours is pretty hot. So I will start with mine. We'll work up to yours so they can kind of ease into it. Um, Sounds good. I give them some time to prepare for what they're about to hear. And- yeah, exactly. So my bold prediction uh, is that the Brooklyn Nets miss the playoffs. And that includes the play-in. Okay? And with that talent in the Eastern Conference, that might be a a bit much to ask, right? But looking at the standings, you have they're number 10 right now, and Miami and Philadelphia are both below them. You have to expect that those two teams are going to move up, they're going to improve, right? Even if they have early struggles, I can't imagine with uh, those coaching staffs and that talent pool, they're going to stay down there very long. Um, of course, above them are some teams that maybe don't stay there, like a like a Charlotte or maybe even Toronto. Those are some teams that are a little bit more hazy. Um, but the, again, those can surprise you. You're, you never know. The East, as much crap as it gets sometimes for being the easier conference, it's also the more exciting conference in terms of the potential. Kind of year to year, there can be some fluctuation as far as the playoff teams. Um, but I'm thinking even play-in. I think Brooklyn can be this year's Lakers in the sense that they are projected <laughs> to be the playoff okay. team and the you know, and they I think they could finish 11th or 12th and miss the play-in picture simply because of their kind of team makeup. I 
I won't talk about Ben Simmons because I talk about him a lot. <laughs> Say it with your chest, Carson. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I, I have doubts about Simmons. Of course, that's one. I like Royce O'Neal being in that lineup. Of course, I'm biased being a Jazz fan, but I think he brings a lot. They made a good signing in TJ Warren, but he's injured right now. So that's, you know, they're not getting that help at the moment. You know, Joe Harris can be solid for them. Morris, you know, Marquise Morris has his moments. And then Seth Curry. You know, you take your starting lineup and you've got plenty of talent to be good. And you have a couple bench pieces that are nice, but they're not very deep. You know, they have a lot of question marks as far as depth. And I think, you know, if you're going to be, you know, maybe the pure talent can get into the playoffs. I think that's totally fair. And this is probably, you know, a wrong prediction. But certainly to be a long, you know, deep playoff run type team, they got to have that depth. So I just have questions there. And then the mix with Simmons, how he blends with Kyrie and Durant. I, if I know anything about Durant and Kyrie, uh, which isn't much because I know I don't know them personally, but from what I've seen, I get the feeling that those two are going to get tired of Ben Simmons and his his personality, his play style, and I see them having some kind of inner turmoil issues along with Kyrie and Durant's own, you know kind of wild and free spirits they are unique individuals they kind of you know go to the beat of their own drum and so that's my prediction let's go with your hotter take here and i i was surprised by it but i almost think you could if what's going on right now sustains itself you could be onto something but go ahead and tell us all right listeners are you ready for this this might be the hottest and stupidest take you'll ever hear this year, including anything that's said on NBA on TNT or <laughs> anything of that nature. All right. But my hot take or my bold prediction for this season is that De'Aaron Fox is going to, at the end of the season, have scored more points than Kevin Durant this season. Once wow. again, not, <laughs> not to slander the Brooklyn Nets or anything like that, but. I just think they're terrible. I don't think they mesh well. I think they've got a lot of alpha personalities and a lot of alpha players without a lot of alpha backing. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I think Kevin Durant either is going to miss some of the season with injury or he's going to, you know, average his 24 points a game, 12 boards a game. But I th- all in all, at the end of the day, I think De'Aaron Fox is probably one of the most underrated guards in the country. And I think it's because he plays for the Kings, who are terrible. Uh, end of the day, I think he's going to be higher in the season scoring list than Kevin Durant will be. So you're saying scoring average or total points? Both. Both. I think both. I think Darren Fox is going to completely outscore Kevin Durant this year. Wow. So I think that I think the total points is a decent bet in the sense that. Durant has missed some time the last year or two with some injuries. And so total points, if Darren Fox stays more healthy and keeps up somewhat close to the same pace, I think that's a pretty solid bet, but scoring average, that might be a bit tricky. And I know he's off to a hot start looking at his stats, Darren Fox, 32 points a game, seven assists, six boards. Oh, and three, of course, that's the same old Kings conversation, but but he's individually doing great and he's shooting terrific percentages. I personally, you know, knowing a bit about him as a player, he's never been a tremendous three point shooter. And so I have concerns whether that pace will sustain itself. If it does and great, then he certainly stays in this conversation. If not, then we're going to see that scoring average drop. But uh, I think it's definitely a hot take and, but th- there's some validity to it. It's not like totally wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I remember I went to the NBA Summer League when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. And I sat in like the sixth row, like close enough that I could smell old man Vince Carter. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was it was the best seats I've ever had. The Summer League is super underrated. But I remember watching him and he was by far the best player in the NBA Summer League that year. Like yeah. he could just he could score on command. And I was so stoked to watch the Lakers because they just drafted Lonzo Ball and they had Kyle Kuzma. And I thought, oh, yeah, like the Lakers are going to be incredible. Nope. It was <laughs> completely the De'Aaron Fox show the whole time. 
Yeah. It was so much fun to just watch him. He's so fast. He's so smart, right? Yep. He's kind of like a John Morant player. He just doesn't have as many highlights, I think. And so I think Darren Fox is a baller. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I think there's definitely potential for that to come true, but it will be uh, a long <laughs> road for that to happen. We'll, a we'll, hot take. <laughs> it's a hot take. We'll keep you updated. The uh, the weekly Darren Fox watch to see if he <laughs> – Everyone's talking about LeBron's scoring pace. We'll be watching Darren Fox's scoring pace to see if he can if he can catch Kevin Durant. But <laughs> with that, we will go ahead and uh, wrap up our show for tonight. Uh, our closing segment, of course, we have a this day in history fact. Today's is, uh, of course, plenty noteworthy. Michael Jordan made his debut on this day in history for the Chicago Bulls at home against the Washington Bullets in the year 1984. The bullet, the Bulls won the game 109 to 93. So the goat, Michael Jordan, made his debut this day in history. Um, any comments on that, Justin? Or are we good? Um, just, just to tell you how incredible Michael Jordan was. Right in his debut as a rookie, he had 16 points, six boards, and seven assists. Yep. Um, four blocks and two steals. Jeez. Um, he shot six for seven from the free throw line and five for 16 from the floor. Um, gotcha. So and, even, even Jordan had those rookie struggles, but, uh, yes, you know, and, and to, to put it in comparison for that game, Orlando Woolridge was the game high scorer. So, so maybe the, the teams weren't quite as electric hey, in 1984 as they don't are. Don't sleep but. on my guy, Orlando <laughs> Woolridge. All right. He was a, a 20 point per game scorer. Uh, in his prime, all right? Don't diss my boy Woolridge, all right? <laughs> I, I bet outside of the podcast world and outside of the insane NBA fans like we are, I bet you couldn't find 10 people off the street who know who Orlando Woolridge is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they'd have no clue. But he was a, he was a strong scorer. Him and then they had uh, – did they have Gervin coming off the bench on that they team? They did. His first season, George Gervin, the Iceman, was MJ's mentor. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great mentor, you know. Talk about underrated players and underrated posters. The Iceman poster with him on the ice throne. I mean, that's one of the cool <laughs> Those ones they made in the 90s where they're all like sitting in their yeah, position. Yeah, exactly. Nickname. Talk about one of the coldest, both literally and figuratively, coldest posters you've ever seen in your life. But regardless, that closes our show for tonight again we will be back tomorrow i guarantee it we will do game summaries from wednesday's games talk any key uh news and then we'll actually do a little bit more of a history segment again crossover across time we'll mainly talk current events but we hope to bring in that historic perspective uh help kind of improve both our historic knowledge of the game as well as our listeners so that will be kind of the goal for thursday uh and so we will hear uh we won't hear you you'll hear us crazy how the (laughs) podcast works uh but we will we will go from there and we will see you guys later see you next time america